Global Connections Television is a privately funded, independently produced program. The opinions expressed on Global Connections are solely those of the moderator and his guests. We invite you to go to the website at www.globalconnectionstelevision.com to view previous shows. If you are involved with a PBS or community access television station or an educational institution that has an intra-campus television hookup or perhaps a podcast or just a computer and would like to share the programs, please feel free to do so. Global Connections is provided at no cost to help people in the U.S. and worldwide better understand how international issues impact our lives. Welcome to today's Global Connections program. I'm Bill Miller. Today, we're going to take a look at a very interesting program called Education Cannot Wait. My guest is an expert on this topic. My guest today is Yasmin Sharif, who is the director of the Education Cannot Wait program. Yasmin Sharif is a lawyer who specialized in international humanitarian law and human rights law. She has over 30 years of experience with the United Nations and international non-governmental organizations. Yasmin Sharif, welcome to today's Global Connections program. Thank you very much, Bill. It's great to see you again. I'm happy to be with you today. Thank you. It's delightful, as always. Thank you. It's a very important program we're going to be talking about. One thing I wanted to mention, and just for about 30 seconds, not in great detail, but I think your program is housed or it's connected with UNICEF, the UN Children's Fund. Is that correct? Thank you. Yeah, it's a good question. You see, we are a global fund um, that operates for the whole, that supports the whole UN system and civil society and host governments. But we are graciously hosted by UNICEF that has a long tradition of hosting global funds for administration uh, as a, to making sure that we can operate, uh, which they're doing very, very well. But um, we have our own governance structure, uh, but we are, we are found in the UN system, yes. Exactly. And of course, UNICEF, of all the UN agencies that specialize, the autonomous agencies, all of them, UNICEF, the UN Children's Fund, is probably the best known, I would imagine. And of course, we know how involved it's been with Rotary International on eliminating the scourge of polio around the world, a trick-or-treat for UNICEF. So there are a lot of people who can identify with UNICEF right off the bat. Well, great. Well, let's get into your program. Now, as I recall, it was set up by the World Humanitarian Summit in 2016, and that established the Education Cannot Wait uh, program. How important was that, and what did that summit do? Well, um, there was a, a, a campaign that was ongoing for a long time, led by uh, the former Prime Minister of the UK, Gordon um, Brown, so also the UN Special General for Global Education, who worked together with civil society organizations like Plan International, Save the Children, and many others, together with UNICEF and uh, the Refugee Agency and many other organizations and governments um, to establish a global fund that could move with speed to deliver quality education, sustainable development goal four. Because in normally from forever, um, in a humanitarian situation, when you have a conflict, you have refugees, forced displacement, education is usually the last priority as water and and and, and tents and, and other necessities are given priority 
And, and these are important humanitarian responses. However, since refugees, for instance, have an average of 17 years in refuge, and since conflicts are often protracted um, and long, like Syria, like the Democratic Republic of Congo, children and adolescents end up waiting 10, 15, 20 years. That are, this is generations that are losing other education. So to, to bring more funding and more priority to education in emergencies and crisis. Exactly. It could be a lost generation, and that would absolutely mm -hmm. be tragic for many reasons. Well, if our viewers would like more education, they can go to www.educationcannotwait.org to get more education and information about your program. Uh, how severe, as you look at all of the problem areas of the world today, Gaza, the, oh my goodness, pick a place almost, how severe is the lack of education and how can we, we will get into how we can focus on, but how severe, what are some of the worst, more most tragic areas that we're trying to get into to bring educational resources to these children? Thank you very much. It's a very important question. I think all of us who have been working, seeing conflict and crisis and, and refuge, um, I think there, there's a lot of pain in our hearts right now to see that the world hasn't gone any better since the establishment of the United Nations. All the promises been made in the UN Charter, um, things are getting worse. And I think education is um, twofold of importance how, what, how the tragedy that it has caused. One is that we can't reach all the children. We are speaking about 222 million children at least, but with Gaza and Sudan uh, and then Ukraine, we now have probably uh, a few million more who are not accessing and, and enjoying a continued quality education from early childhood to um, um, uh, sec through secondary education. I mean, this, maybe we are speaking 230 million, but that's a lot. If you can imagine it, they never get that quality education what the world will look like in one or two or three generations, they're not going to be able to rebuild their countries from all the chaos and carnage. That's number one. Two, I think we need to look at education overall. Because if the world looks the way it looks today, it means that something went wrong even in our own education, core values, values for humanity, human rights, and, 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 and treating each other with respect without discrimination. So I think education is the answer to the world solutions, but we need to focus on those left photos behind right now. And these are the children and adolescents in conflicts, uh, in um, the carnage and chaos that they're enduring, forced displacement, and climate-induced disasters, which are just growing more and more. So um, we are speaking about the huge tragedy for the world on all fronts, and education is at the heart of it. It certainly is. And if we look back in history, any group, any country that has succeeded, usually it's because they focused on education and developing the resources of the, the population within their borders. So it's extremely important. Well, let's take a look and we'll start off with Ukraine. Uh, how severe is the situation in Ukraine right now? And does your program 
ACW, do you have any projects in that area? Thank you very much. Of course, this is the second big conflict that I see in in Europe in my lifetime. Previously, it was, of course, uh, the, the Second World War and the Holocaust. Uh, but with the train again, the stabilizing uh, Europe um, and um, the many millions and millions of children and adolescents who had to flee across the border um, um, to neighboring countries uh, and um, also had to adopt to remote learning by uh, using electronic devices. We work very closely with the Minister of Education. I met the Deputy Minister last week. We uh, came in very soon uh, for the children and adolescents in Ukraine, um, starting off with the first emergency response uh, in Ukraine, and then also uh, a first emergency response to refugees who have fled to Moldova. Now we have an $8 million multi-year resilience program, it's a joint program um, lasting three years, um, invested for um, Ukraine itself, uh, where um, we also have in addition, the Global Business Coalition has contributed with nearly $50 million through business partners in access to electronic uh, devices so that we can continue remote learning. But yes, the situation is severe and it's heartbreaking. And we do what we can and what we have where we are. It certainly is. It's extremely important that we focus on that area. And it's very difficult to do this in a war zone, as we're all aware. Anyone can imagine how how dire it would be to try to operate in a war zone. Well, let's move over to Yemen. This is another country that's just been racked with violence for years, almost decades now, I guess. But what what are you doing in Yemen as far as trying to provide services to the children in that area? Thank you. Um, you see, education cannot wait. While we work with um, um, normally with um, uh, the established government um, uh, authorities, we never invest funding in any um, government or de facto or um, de jure. Um, we, we do what we call direct execution and invest in uh, the agencies on the ground like UNICEF, uh, Refugee Agency, World Food Program, Save the Children, local uh, and non-governmental organizations, PLAN, IRC, NRC, and so forth. And this is to ensure that we maintain the principles of impartiality and independence. So in Yemen, um, we work directly, as we do everywhere, with these partners. We have been engaged in Yemen for a long time, but because of the continuous conflict and crisis, and it's been very difficult when you have the facto and the Euro government to, to invest in a multi-year program because you have to reach all the children across the board. And um, we have therefore done multiple um, investments of first emergency responses to Yemen, and we continue to do so. I mean, Yemen is one of the most crisis affected countries on earth. Um, the children there, the adolescents, have suffered tremendously. So, um, the best we can do as humanity is to give them some breathing space, let them breathe, and help them to get back to school. The suffering and the devastation there is just 
beyond belief, without a doubt. Mm-hmm. Well, you're watching Global Connections Television, which is a privately funded, independently produced program. The opinions expressed on Global Connections are solely those of the moderator and his guest. We'd invite our viewers to go to our website at www.globalconnectionstelevision.com to view previous programs. Also, if you're involved with the PBS, our community access television station, or perhaps you're with a educational institution that has an intra-campus television hookup, or you have a podcast, or even better, you just have a computer and you like our shows and you'd like to share them, please feel free to do so. Global Connections Television is provided at no cost as a public service to help us better understand international issues and how they impact our lives. Today, we're taking a look at a very important program called Education Cannot Wait. And my guest today is Ms. Yasmin Sharif, who is the director of the Education Cannot Wait program, which is the Global Fund for Education in Emergencies and Protracted Areas of Crises. Yasmin, we're, we're hopscotching around the world. We could spend an hour on any one particular crisis area. But let's move to Gaza. This this has moved to the forefront now as just one of the most horrific problems going on in the world. What are you doing in Gaza or near Gaza? Can you actually get into Gaza to, to operate your programs? Yeah, thank you for asking the question. I think it's important for all viewers to realize that, first, let me say, no, we cannot go into Gaza. The, the ones that are operating there now are, it's on the ground. They have always operated in Gaza. They are the designated UN agency uh, on education for, on the ref, for uh, Palestine refugees in Gaza, the two thirds of them in Gaza. And then we have UNICEF and other organizations who are present um, delivering. But of course, given the enormous scale of um, well, let me speak like a humanized lawyer of um, atrocities being committed right now and nowhere to flee. Um, we, we can't get in. Uh, having said that, when when it all broke out, we uh, immediately, thanks to our governance board, we were able to release $10 million for mental health and social services for children. Uh, and that was done together between UNICEF and UNRWA, so it's coordinated with them to ensure that they are the ones delivering it. But $10 million psychosocial services is, is a drop in the ocean. And um, my heart is breaking for humanity. Uh, this is painful for all of us. Um, doesn't matter. And I, I really hope that none of us um, forget the children and adolescents there. It's not about ethnicity, race, religion, uh, color of our skins. It's about humanity hurting and bleeding. We need to think of the children who are so innocent and who deserve an education. I remember watching six months ago, or maybe eight months ago, when many of these um, young girls and, and boys graduated and they had a very high rate of um, top notch um, uh, graduation marks. You could see on how they celebrated them. Most of these young graduates are, are killed now. Well, that is so tragic. It's absolutely tragic. It, it's just beyond belief. And hopefully 
hopefully the leaders of the world will get together and power brokers will eliminate some of this intense suffering that's going on around the world. Well, my question, there are so many questions I could ask you, but you've been involved in a very important area, the human rights area, educational area, and some very difficult areas of the world. How do you derive your inspiration? How do you keep going and really build upon previous successes to try to make lives better for the children and the general public? in these areas? Well, I, I, I think that the, 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 the inspiration, I have learned over the years that, that the greatest inspiration, a source of inspiration, um, I get from the children, the adolescents, when I see them embracing their education, um, then they inspire me and give me hope that it is possible to make a difference. When I see their strength, when I see their resilience, despite what they have gone through, and on the other side, when I see their suffering, when I see their broken hearts, the injustices, that also inspires me, but from a different energy. I will not tolerate this. For as long as I live, I will stand with humanity. I'll stand with you. I want you to be strong. I want you to be empowered. Um, I want you to create a better world, whatever profession you choose to start. But they give me inspiration. I cannot derive more inspiration than from the child in front of me or the young adolescent or teenager that wants to learn and become somebody. What I have realized is that those children, whether I see them in Latin America, fleeing um, to Colombia or in in the Middle East, or in Gaza, or in Sudan, or in Ukraine, or across Sub-Saharan Africa, where 56% of children are suffering from a lack of quality education. Um, I see in them such a great potential. Because when you have suffered as much as they have, you develop a potential, incredible empathy, and incredible determination and a great understanding of what is right and wrong. I see the future human rights lawyers, future teachers, the future doctors and nurses who will never give up on humanity in that. So I also see a strong force for humanity in that. You know, when we are privileged, that's when we end up thinking about ourselves. Nothing is more helpful for a human being. And I don't want to glorify it. But when you can learn to empathize through whatever you have gone through, and these children are amazing at that, that's when you become a good force to make the world a better place. So I, I have full trust in these children. But we've got to give them a heart. Exactly. And all children all around the world deserve the opportunity and the right to mm -hmm. achieve their self-actualization mm -hmm. and to achieve their full potential. And this mm -hmm. is one way, certainly, to help them. Well, all Great programs have strategic plans. They have to have, I would imagine. And you have one for 2023 to 2026. Uh, just briefly, what is the main thrust of that strategic plan? And will there be major changes made or certain populations targeted? Or what What would be the top two or three items from that hmm. strategic plan? First of all, the, the, the strategic plan is right itself, runs to 2026. And... Um, we are asking for $1.5 billion in order to reach 20 million 
out of these 226, 230 million children. If we can reach 20 million in the coming um, two, three years, we will have at least made a small leap forward. If we could triple that or 10 times more, then of course we could reach more children because there is a lot of capacity out there to actually implement. When we put it at 20 million children, 1.5 billion, we have so far, through the generosity and the very strong support of our strategic donor partners in the public sector and in the private sector and foundations, mobilized $900 million. So what is left is $600 million, and we can make it. And when you look at the trillions, I think it's $2.2 trillion per for military uh, investments. And if you could shift a little bit of that towards education, uh, we could actually um, hit the target. And if you could shift even more from the investment in military means and conflict resolution by military force towards peaceful conflict resolution and education, we could reach maybe even the 224, 226 or 230 million children. Uh, we have a strong emphasis always, of course, on children in conflict and forces placement, and very strong focus also on climate-induced disasters, because they are growing, they are growing. We, we have to trust science of that, and we must make the connection between children who are fleeing and losing their schools and education because of climate disasters. Pakistan, 22,000 schools damaged or destroyed because of flooding. There is a relationship. It's not just war that creates um, uh, disruption in education, climate disasters too. So we need to access resources for that from, from the climate um, action-oriented um, donors as well. And the focus is on mental health and psychosocial services. Every child that goes through an armed conflict have to flee their home, have seen their parents killed, picking up body parts of their siblings will be traumatized. This is pure logic. And if you are severely traumatized, it's very difficult to learn and sit still in a classroom. So we need to deal with that because those consequences will resurface at one point or another in the life, if not through some. We focus on children and adolescents with disabilities to ensure that that disability may become another ability. First, that they can access the school, but also that we can do something good out of um, their, their um, physical or mental um, uh, condition. Uh, I saw a girl uh, in, in Colombia who went to one of our uh, investments who was, had known to paint with her mouth, having no arms. And I said, she's, she's like, you know, Beethoven composed most beautiful music without having hair. It's incredible to see what you can do despite the disability. Girls' education, top, top, top priority. We need more female energy in this world. Energy that listens, that feels with their heart. And girls and women have a very important role to play in leadership. So we need to empower girls to be tomorrow's future leaders, or today future leaders. Why should we wait? Their education cannot wait. So a minimum of 60% of girls in education have waste investments um, uh, uh, are included in our program, also through gender-sensitive uh, education. So these are some of our priorities. We have an incredible team at Education Cannot Wait. 
working very strong passion, creativity, innovation. And we have a wonderful governance um, board. We are all on the same um, frequency and fantastic partners uh, in all these countries that we work with. And we are moving we are agile, fast, and we go deep to ensure quality in our investments. Um, so yes, um, I think we are on track, but we, we need to shift resources from destruction to something productive. And education is one of the most important answers to that. It was a perfect way to bring the to bring the whole discussion to a conclusion, and you're absolutely right. As you mentioned, education and involving women and girls are two of the main ingredients to have any successful society, and we certainly need to do that as soon as we can. And of course, one way to do it is to participate in the Sustainable Development Goals, which include those and other topics. But Yasmin Sheriff, Sharif, you are involved with a wonderful program. And as I mentioned earlier, our viewers can go to your website at educationcannotwait.org to get more information. But I want to thank you so very much for a very interesting and a very informative program. Thank you very much for you, Bill. Thank you so much for having me. My pleasure. I'm Bill Miller. Thank you for joining us today on Global Connections Television.